And if you're a pastor listening to this, we love you. Stay encouraged, <laughs> even if you're not called. You may be called, you may not be. Goodbye. I don't know. Goodbye, I don't know. Turn her mic off. Turn I don't her mic know. off. Mute her. Sleep in the shed and her only out to calling. Jesus, 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 get the Holy Ghost calling. Singing in the choir, organ tambourine. Caught and set apart, that's what holiness means. I'm glad I know what I know. I'm glad I know what I know. I was trained as a child. Jesus reigns on the throne. I'm glad I know what I know. I'm glad I know what I know. I was born to stand out, but I'm never alone. When I was a child, I did try to sing. My life was church and all the green. Blessings, I'm Ron. And I'm Church Clap. I'm the apostle to the food. You know my name, Natasha Cobbs. <laughs> Yo, can we chill? <laughs> <laughs> Just got started. And welcome to another episode of Pew Babies, an apostolic podcast. How are you guys doing today? I'm tired and burnt out. I just threw my grandmother her 70th birthday party yesterday. Ooh, happy birthday, grandmother. Yesterday, happy birthday, grandma. Shout out, shout out. You know who you are. Uh, Hopefully, she can listen to this podcast and get saved. And anyway, let me stop. (laughs) Hey, hey, (laughs) she got to make it in. She's 70 now, y'all. We're not playing out here. Never too late. Never, never. But yeah, I'm just trying to recover from that, guys. But how y'all been doing? Apostle? Um, you know, I'm good. Uh, it's Friday night, but, you know, I'm a little tired. But it, it, it hasn't been too crazy of a week. It's been a, actually a pretty good week um, so far. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hanging in there and hope, hoping to get some rest this weekend. So, you will. Yeah. How you doing, Ron? Same. Tired, like everybody. I think I just got off of work like three hours ago, so. Getting those hours, getting that money. It's like paying my ties. Now we're gonna take it, take it to the church announcements. Okay, as you know, I'm church clap once again. If you don't know now, you know. Glory, glory. (laughs) That's stomp Kirk Franklin. Okay, never mind. No one left. All right. So uh we're going to start with, um, so people are saying that the Trinity is missing from Christian worship music. Okay, I know. Don't do that face. <laughs> but they say, they say the Trinity almost never comes up in the song sung by American Christians. According to a new study of the 30 most popular hymns and the 30 most popular worship songs over the past five years, this has been noted. And someone quoted, a professor quoted that in the music we sing, it seems like we're not as Trinitarian as we think we are. And I don't understand that, but um, any thoughts? As an apostolic, oh. <laughs> um, I don't believe in the Trinity. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. <laughs> they All three are one, the Holy Spirit. Jesus, God, one. So that makes sense. I think the interesting part about the study, well, but maybe what they should be studying is whether we're using the name of Jesus in our new music now. That would be interesting to see. 
They're saying that evangelical churches are mostly singing about Jesus with only occasional references to the Father and a few, if any, mentions of the Holy Spirit, which I don't know about that. But any thoughts, Apostle? Yeah, no. I mean, I have to err on the side of there's no such thing as Trinity. I just got to err on the side of that. Like, they shouldn't be singing about the Trinity because we know that the Trinity is is not who our God is. That's not who our, who, who our God is. Our God is not God of Trinity, as Ron said. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. We know that, you know, them recognizing him as a Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, they're only singing about titles anyway. Those There's no significance in titles. So whether they sing about the Father and the Son, sing about the Son, that song has no power until you mention the name Jesus. And, you know, sooner, sooner people realize that, you know, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, him being the Father through creation, the Son through redemption, and the Holy Ghost through the administration through the church, it's going to always be a problem with people singing about Trinity and singing about the oneness of God. So I hope people continue to move towards not singing about the Trinity. I hope people come to the knowledge of the truth because we know that in the last days, even in Matthew 24, it said the gospel is going to be preached to all every, you know, to all of those in the world. Yeah, I hope we continue to hear music that talks about Jesus and not talk about the Trinity. So Right. That's why I mentioned it. I thought it was interesting how like over the past five years it's changing more. Um Christians from all walks of faith are guiding their attention to Jesus in general in our songs. So I think that's a plus and I hope that it keeps increasing because it just shows us how there's a need of the mentioning of his name, period, because it does carry the whole power. Next topic. We're going to keep it short today. Um, So, okay, so Christians are boycotting Netflix because there's this new movie coming out called Cuties, which is supposed to be, they said it glorifies pedophilia. Now, I never heard of that or saw that, so I thought that was pretty interesting. So... I get, apparently it's about some 11 year old girls or whatever. I don't know, but watch, just keep a lookout of what you watching on Netflix and have a sober mind. Watch out. Cause Netflix sliding stuff in there. Get yourself pure flicks. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Any Is there such that? thing as pure flicks? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, not even that. Twelve ninety nine. It's a little pricey. Wait, oh, it's twelve ninety nine. Oh, like Disney Plus. Oh. If you can afford Disney Plus, you can afford. Well, Disney Pure Plus Flick. about to get canceled because I've only watched one movie. <laughs> oh shoot! Oh lord! <laughs> but um, pure pure flicks. Okay, let me write that down. Pure flicks. Yes, get your ass eye gate really sanctified and keep that. You know, where it needs to be. Veggie Tales is on there for those who remember oh, watching okay. it as a kid. It's on Pure Flix. This is not a sponsor advertisement. But if they want us to do so, you can just email us at pbabies <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> All right. Anyway, moving on. Um, did you guys have any thoughts before I moved on about that? I'm not surprised. Um, I mean, you know, this world is getting very, very wicked as time goes on. I'm not surprised. Um I'm not surprised by that at all. I do think there's been a heavy focus on the sexualization of children in recent years, because even in cartoons now, you know, you're starting to see kissing and stuff like that. When I was growing up, you didn't see those kind of things in cartoons. And so I think we got to start. Stop selling the message. Excuse me. 
of sexualization to children. Because even if I have a three or four year old, I don't want them seeing nobody kissing in a movie, in a cartoon, or anything. But you know, to know that there are movies that glorify pedophilia, it's just it's just letting you know that the enemy is really out here to to really kill, steal, and to destroy, especially with everything going on. Some people out here with sick minds. And I think we have to look at who was the content creator of something like that and who was that, you know, filthy in the mind to really create something like that. And we have to also examine Netflix. And as much as I love Netflix, we got to examine Netflix and say, you know, who in there, you know, thought that was a good collaboration to glorify such filth and i haven't seen this show so i can't really judge it but if it's pedophilia you don't have to tell me anything else right there we can stop right there because that's something that we're definitely not going to stand for which is not so yeah i think that's the next thing we're going to start fighting up against besides um the lbgtq community um i think that's probably going to be the next thing on the radar but we'll see time will tell Okay, and last bit of um, church news in America. So we know about John Gray and his mishaps. Uh, So he recently released (laughs) a video last Friday um, kind of saying how he admit to emotionally getting entangled again, and he made a whole sermon out of it and kind of like victimizing himself as well as apologizing comments below the youtube video yeah he was like you know we all come short we all fall short of the glory of god and he was just you know (laughs) i was just like so the comments below you know we go for the comments of course when you look at the video no one really looks at it all the way through so they were like boy just sit down boy like this is we're tired of hearing about your entanglements have us have several seats you need to sit yourself down as a pastor because why are you still pastoring if you're admitting to having all these uh, entanglements spring up. Talk. He said that he didn't do anything inappropriate with the women. I was like, but you were about to. So it just squealed. But anyway, thoughts? He's representing the black church. Tired. Like, what do we do in moments like this? I feel like this is where you, you do. I agree with the people. You need to sit down. And, and this is why. God forgives, yes. But until you can get yourself together that you don't keep making, it sounds like this is something that you struggle with. If Until you get fully delivered from it, it, it sounds like maybe you need to say, this is, the fact that he preached about it is the same thing I felt the way about James Fortune after mm. he beat his wife. He came out with this song called I Forgive Me. And I had to cancel him. Like I had to not listen to him and support him because it's like, yeah, you forgive you, but like your wife is singing a competing song. I, I don't remember what the song she came out with. We're fighters. Yes. <laughs> She's talking about we're, we're fighters. fighters and we're trying to like <laughs> overcome and you're talking about I forgive me. Like you need to go ask her for forgiveness and like put out a song that talks about like, you know, maybe you need to throw a Donnie McClurkin and say we fall down but we get up or something. Like you need, there needs to be some type of repentance publicly and I, I, I understand in the video that he apologized, I guess. Is that what happened? I didn't see the video. I'm sorry. He did, he did apologize? apologize, but then again, he was like... He still doesn't understand that what he... he yeah, he doesn't understand the magnitude of the situation. He still thinks he can preach and be over a church right now, so... 
And I also want to make sure that saints aren't blaming the women for this. We got to be careful about, it takes two to tango. So. I blame everyone involved. This yeah, it takes two fault. to tango. So Much needed comments. Okay. And we're going to move internationally, as I always do. So we have two things that's going on. So our people are still getting persecuted overseas, of course. So Lebanese Christians, well, in Lebanon, you know, security authorities discovered explosive hidden in cheese from the Islamic State in plans to attack Christians. So basically they were trying to target places of worship and gatherings to cause Christian chaos over there. So pray, hope y'all still still praying for those international Christians who are yet holding on. And on a good note, in Egypt, the Egyptian president, he says um, as far as for Egyptian Christians, all new um, in all new housing developments, there must be a Christian church there. So I thought that was pretty interesting. What type I heard of you said they were putting um, explosives in cheese. Yeah. They would definitely get me as much as I love cheese. Like, Stop. Go on. <laughs> go on over a piece of cheese, really? <laughs> if they want to target me, they would put in some cheese, a fr- piece of fried chicken, I'd be gone. Lord. Oh, yeah. Persecuted. <laughs> Persecuted? Oh, Lord. But no, They're getting that's creative, crazy. man. That's crazy. See, we got it easy over here. I think so for now. Wow. And those are your church announcements. Oh, unless that's <laughs> anything to say. It's just good to know. I think it's good to know to know. I think it's good to know what's happening overseas too, because it's crazy stuff happening. Besides uh, what's happening here in America with all the racial tension that's happening over here, we have Christians over there being, you know, blown up over cheese. Like, can he eat a piece of cheese? Are you serious? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Keep him in prayer and pray for them. Praying. All right. Well, it's time for our apostolic business of the week. Um, and I'm really excited about um, talking about this one. This is one of my uh, best friends and cousins. So I'm going to talk about Axomi Influencers. Axomi Influencers is a black owned marketing and branding startup that specializes in social media branding, web design, and graphic design. We are a one stop shop to brand your business with several vendors and cooperatives that can take care of any and every one of your needs. And so my good friend, great friend, best friend, Kenny Smith, he is a member of East Valley Pentecostal Church in San Jose, California. Um, He's been a member of the UPCI since 2011. And I've I've actually had the pleasure of using those services with my own uh, small business. Those of you that know me personally know that I do have a small business um, on the side and he's been very, very instrumental in assisting me, you know, with a lot of things because to be honest, if I'm left up to my own devices, you guys going to be getting word art. <laughs> if you're a startup, you're looking to do, you know, whether you have a, you know, doing a product or service kind of similar to where we talked about with SPG marketing solutions a couple of weeks ago. Um, but if you're looking more at doing something in more of the secular field, such as a clothing business or such as a um, service that you want to provide, 
look up Axomi um, influencers and they are definitely one of a kind service that they can provide you. He is in California, but he will make himself available to meet your needs. Um, and I'll put his information in the show notes. He does have an Instagram that you can see a lot of his work or some of his work and be able to reach out to him through there. If you have a business, a small business, Apostolic, and you would like for us to feature it on the show, please, please send us an email to qbabies at gmail.com. And that was your Apostolic Business of the Week. Go support Axomi, his business. Yes. Amen. So our subject for today is the educated apostolic. And I kind of, I don't know. We'll see how this conversation goes, guys. My first question for you guys is like, in your apostolic household, how important was education? The reason why I, I brought this up is because I don't know if you guys have been seeing on your timelines, but everybody's going back to school. I've been seeing parents freaking out about virtual learning and stuff. So I thought we would talk about, <laughs> you know, it sounds, I, we all went to college and stuff. I thought we would share our experiences this episode. So, oh, okay. How important was education in your apostolic household? Well, I know in my household, education is very important. Um, even now, um, I'll be very transparent. I'm pursuing my MBA for the third term. But um, every since I was growing up, like education was important, but also God came first. It was never a time. It was hardly ever a time growing up. Uh, we went to church three nights a week that I could stay home and work on homework. But education was still first. Like you were going to come home after church. You were going to be up doing that homework. And I ended up being an honor roll student. But, you know, at the same time, like even through college and stuff, my, my mom, you know, got her master's degree. Uh, my dad has his associates. Education was something that was really pushed at home, but it was also pushed at church too. Like a lot of my friends that I went to church with, they have master degrees, they have, you know, of course, bachelor de- bachelor's degrees, things like that. That was something that was heavily pushed on us as young people. Like, you know, we want you to get God, but in, in, in everything else, you know, get an education too, um, because you're going to need it. You know, we were the generation that, you know, you could get out of high school and find a job. We um, realized that won't be the case when you all get older. So it was pushed on us very heavy to get an education, even like here at home, like getting your education. And like I said, um, I'm back with my parents, but my dad was told me tonight, he's like, well, you have a head start. So, you know, I really need you to get in those books and get that MBA. Don't let anything stop you from getting the MBA this time. And I told him I'm dedicating myself to it. Um, so, yeah. It's going to be hard, but you got this. Once you it's got over, it. So- I don't know how many classes you've taken so far, but at least you got a head start, like your dad said. (laughs) You know what's up. Right. So my mama always said growing up, salvation, then education. (laughs) So that's what I grew up hearing. For the rest of my life, that's all me and my sister heard growing up. So uh, salvation was always first, making sure, you know, I get that squared away because God ain't going to look at your degrees at the end of the day. But my parents pushed education because they didn't really have the chance to go to school themselves and they saw the importance of it. Like Apostle was saying, like back then you can get by with a, a, a diploma, a high school diploma. You just slide in the government like most people did or you just, you know, it was pretty much my dad made six figures with his high school diploma at one point in his life. So it was very possible um, especially if you have with God on your side. In addition, we know <laughs> times have changed where 
the diploma has been demoted. Right. So <laughs> out of nowhere. So education has become a big business. But that's another segment. But anyway, so like uh, my parents really pushed me to do it wasn't necessarily pursue an education. It was basically, it was basically just do your best. You know, you they know that I was they knew that I had the potential to do what I wanted. You know, I always dreamt of working in the lab one day, did that, check that box. Now I'm doing something else. Like I'm just one of those people <laughs> that just moved to the next day. Um, but yeah, they always pushed me to do my best. And I think that translated from my Christian walk and growing up, it was always do your best and everything had this spirit of excellence as Daniel did and everything that he put his hand to um, no matter where he was or what situation he was in, you always do your best and go to the top if you can, you know, and with God, they, they always say that with God, nothing's impossible. So it's not impossible for you to become valid valedictorian. <laughs> so they would say stuff like that, but you know, push yourself. Cause like, I think um, a lot of some people, some churches, they, they also push education in our church growing up too. But some church, I've been to some churches who, you know, frowned upon it, sort of. Not really frowned upon it, but they didn't really feel it was important. Right. And I think it's based off of different perspectives. Because like, oh, you get a degree, but you don't, you can't make any money afterwards, or like stuff like that. Like, it depends on you and how you navigate your channels. At the end of the day, and, I mean, and then it, and I mainly hear that from um, elder people in the church who really didn't, I guess, who had the potential but weren't able to go to school themselves. So they feel some type of way in a sense. And then you have some that had the opportunity, took advantage of it, you know, and they push education. You have ones who didn't have the opportunity, but they push others because, you know, they see the uh, opportunities that can come with having education. So, um, yeah, you make a point. But, you know, I think everyone has a perspective of education. I think education is undervalued because if you don't push education of your of whatever you're pursuing to work towards, I don't think that same method is applied to your Christian walk. Because I think whatever you show in your Christian walk, I mean, whatever you show in your natural walk is how you are in your Christian walk. Like, they're mirrors, especially if you're in the faith. Like, so, like, if you're going to invest in something, you put your all in it. Don't just do it halfway. You don't do your Christian walk halfway, so don't be halfway and not work hard towards your goal. Yeah, no, I I think my experience is similar to Claps. Um, I'm a first-generation apostolic and a first-generation college student. Um, my dad didn't graduate from high school. My mom, she went to college for two years. She had good grades, but because of integration and racial issues, she um, decided to leave. They didn't really... They, didn't really push education the way they pushed it was you set a standard for yourself and so whatever standard you set that's what you got to be held to so because we started off getting good grades it was like when you came home with bad grades then that's what you got to be in but that's yeah that's a story for another day but um right (laughs) um but yeah so that was kind of our journey like and and I appreciate my parents approaching their upbringing because I don't think formal education is always necessary. I think that you can be in a join an apprenticeship or um, you do your self study, whatever it takes. I think knowledge is important. I think gaining knowledge is important and know what you're doing is important. But looking at my student loans, I don't know. Um, I might tell people to rethink. <laughs> 
college is good. No, exactly. undergrad. It depends. I'm going to say this. Undergrad is good if you're committed to going to undergrad to actually get a degree. Yeah. I mean, because my parents also knew, like, my sister, school was not her thing. So my parents would be like, okay, we see that you're okay with school. And then, but you're a little, you know, and they were okay with that. So it's kind of like, well, what are you going to do? Like, you can't just sit around and expect, you know, stuff to happen for you. Like, I don't know. I think it, that takes maturity to have that balance too. Cause a lot of people, like you said, I mean, school may not be for them or it's not necessary sometimes to go for a four year degree. You know, some people don't have to, but I think it teaches you how to learn to different subjects at different times and it helps you become knowledgeable. So I'm like pro college, but then I'm like pro college with scholarships. Don't go in there if you ain't got no money. Right. You're going to set yourself up. That's one thing that I could preach to. <laughs> if you can get a little bit, if, I mean, even if you get $500, anything to put towards the tuition, do it. Yeah. That's my, that's what I preach. Did all of it, did all of us have the Holy Ghost before we went to college? Yes. Well, yes. Okay. So. That's kind of. <laughs> so the follow-up question is. Right. The fence. right <laughs> how did you maintain your Holy, Exactly. <laughs> How did you maintain or try to maintain or did you maintain your Holy Ghost while in college? Like, what was your college experience like? Apostle. Cover his How face. How did you become an apostle to the food? <laughs> <laughs> you got to tell your story, apostle. <laughs> That's the fact. See, what had happened was, oh, no. Lord. Um, oh, Lord. You know, when it starts like that. <laughs> no, I mean, I think for me, because like, I had a good foundation and stuff growing up, but I know like my senior year of high school, like I started to like slip away from, not necessarily physically from church, but mentally from church. I was like, I was sitting there, but I was already kind of started like shifting my mind elsewhere in church. So I think going out to school and not necessarily having that parental guidance, whatever, but then too, like on top of that, like I was not, you know, really connected with Christ as I should have been um, going off to school. So I think for me, like, yeah, my freshman year, you know, I was fine, whatever, because I was living in a dorm. I came home every weekend. I was in church every Sunday. So I really wasn't, you know, doing much, whatever. But um, when it came down to my, you know, when I got an apartment and things like that, things kind of started started to change a little bit um, for me. And I know, you know, it's I'm not blaming it on anybody. I'm blaming it on myself because in high school, like people always knew me as a good two shoes or Mike, you know, say Mike, you know, trustworthy, Mike always, you know, Mike, you know, we can count on Mike, Mike ain't gonna do this, ain't gonna do that. But I think when I got in college, I wanted to prove people wrong. Like I'm, you know, I could be, I'm, I'm, I could, I, I can have fun too, just like y'all. And so, you know, I went through a, a couple of years, probably two or three years where I went to church every other Sunday and, you know, whatever, but I was, you know, kind of out there. So I would say, no, I did not maintain it um, as I should have. I'd probably be a lot further along if I had, but I didn't. And then, um, you know, like I said, I was kind of disconnected. I was still going to my home church. So I was kind of disconnected from them a little bit. I just felt disconnected there. So it just, none, none of it helped. And then, I, of course, I wasn't in the word at all. <laughs> wasn't really praying unless I needed to make a good grade on the exam or finally in 2013 um, I decided to you know rededicate my life to Christ and uh, found a church to go to and kind of started to clean myself up and, and bring myself out of that 
um, pit I was in because a lot of times like you can fall into stuff and get involved with them, get involved, hang with the wrong crowd, things of that nature. But, you know, I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to turn this boat around, I'm going to turn this ship around because I don't, you know, I don't want to, you know, graduate college, go to a big city and I'm still disconnected from God. You know, I'm still out here backsliding, still out here doing my own thing. So I decided in 2013 that I was going to, you know, kind of rededicate my life to the Lord. And I did, and I've, I've done that ever since. You know, I haven't dotted every I, I haven't crossed every T, but, you know, I've made a conscious decision like things, you know, such as going out and whatever else I was doing and involved with, like, you know, that had to come to a stop. So, yeah. No, I'm glad you share that. It is, it's a struggle. It's a different situation than when you were growing up as a kid in church and having the Holy Ghost. It's a different environment. So Apostle, he cleaned up what he messed up. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I went off to college. So I had some family, uh, uh, what did I say? Uh, how could I say this? So I had some family issues that occurred during my first year of college. So I think that caused me to draw closer to God. So like through the four years or five years, I did an extra year. Through the five years of college, I was actually like really soul searching or God searching because I was like, all right, I'm away from home. I had this foundation. Let me go review everything that I know, you know, so I just went and I, that's when I began to actually start reading my Bible for like the first time, like really reading it and studying it to see what it says. Cause I just wanted to confirm everything that I knew was right. You know, cause like, it's one thing you go to church, you know, you just listen to the preacher, you know, and you just agree. I, growing up, I was just agreeing to everything, you know, everything that was said over the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. <laughs> cause like. You don't know. I mean, it's different people up at the pool, big. You don't know what they're saying. And you always want to double check the references, you know, and cross check the scriptures. I wasn't doing that until I got into college. And I was like, hold on, wait, like that didn't make any sense. So uh, <laughs> that's what got me into doing that. And then I started like joining different Christian groups. I went to the Baptist people. I went everywhere. We had one apostolic one on campus. But it was like two people and they were the real apostolic holiness people. Like they had like the long hair. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like they were not cutting their hair. They wouldn't trim it. Like we not gonna put no scissors to this. And I was like, okay, girl, your hair falling out, your edge is breaking, but okay. Let me stop. <laughs> no, but um, it's nothing wrong with that. I was like, okay, I respect y'all, you know, because everybody has their different, I know, uh, doctrines when it comes to um, standards, they like to call it. It was like, that's their standard at their church, you know. So um, that was really interesting to see. I wasn't exposed to that. I was like, okay, cool. And then I went to other ones and I went to one church where, or one group where they didn't believe that um, speaking in tongues was relevant anymore. So we had a debate debate there. So they was like, well, what is that for? Like they, they misinterpret scripture where it says um, it edifies you when you speak in tongues or whatever. So I was like, oh, well, why would I want to edify or lift myself up above God? I was like, where does it say that? Can oh, you no. give me a cross reference? Like where? So they're reading it in that context. So, yeah, that was interesting. So it was just good to step out there. Oh, yeah. And then I went to a first, my first church service with these people. And they were blasting Jay-Z in the car on our way to church. I'm like, whoa. I had to be like, all right. I was like, you really going to play that right now? Like, it was crazy. So I was like, okay. 
interesting. So just seeing how different people do things. That was really interesting. Culture shock to me. I thought everybody was like me, but no. But yeah. Okay, the first year of college, I did go to a house party because I just wanted to see what it was like. You see it on the movies. I was not dressed. I looked so out of place. As soon as I walked in there, I was like, oh no, I gotta go. I was like, oh, this though, this ain't the spirit ain't right. It felt heavy on my heart. I was like, oh Lord. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, let me just because I went with some people that I knew. So I was like, let me just go upstairs or whatever. And I saw I saw smoke coming from upstairs and it was stinking, and you know what that means. So mm. they were up there oh, lighting Lord. up up there, and that's when it wasn't legal. So the police, the cops came. I was like, oh my God, Lord, no, I'm about to go to jail. <laughs> I was just panicking, so I had to get out that house. I was like, yo, I'm, I am leaving. So that was interesting. So, but yeah, I was like, after that moment, I was like, all right, Lord, I can't. It's too much. I ain't missing nothing out here. But yeah, so after that, I just grew closer to God. Amen. Hmm. So I was very dedicated when I went to college. Very dedicated. Like, I t- we had options for dorms. And there was one dorm that was the sober dorm. They like you could sign a contract to not drink or smoke or anything like that at the dorm and parties were banned there. So I decided to join that one because I was like the likelihood of me finding friends was good. Little did I know that (laughs) No, but little did I know that people got placed in that dorm and they didn't choose to be there. So there was still some stuff that happened. But (laughs) it was good. Like it was still a good dorm. Um, I joined the gospel choir right away, tried to find people that believed in Christ and stuff. Why is your face like that? Because you cheating. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to just fit for yourself. <laughs> Whoa. No, I need to find a community. <laughs> but and, and that's the thing is that the girl, like, I don't, we all believed in Jesus, but I don't think they were necessarily apostolic. I hung out with a lot of juniors and seniors and sophomores who kind of took me under their wing and made sure I didn't go here, didn't go there you know, kind of directed me. So that was nice. And we went to Bible studies. Like you said, we went to a lot of Bible studies. Um, I went to church every Sunday, was very involved. Now this is when the story story gets shady. So (laughs) um, I did experiment. Yes, Deronda did. Um, I, when I first went abroad, I went to the first club that I've ever been before in my life. Similar to Claps experience, I just knew I was going to die. Like, the music was beaten and I was like, God is going to take me right now. <laughs> and it was the worst experience of my life, y'all. You know how sometimes like God would just chastise you quickly for doing stuff. Yes. like Conviction. The worst. Yes. I'm so glad he did. Because there was a girl who she decided to um, take sleeping pills because she wasn't going to go out that day. And then she decided she was going to go out with us. And nobody wanted to be in the dorm by themselves. So that's why we went. And she was drinking a lot and it ended up like she was just like completely drunk. Somebody was like, somebody got to take her home. So like I said, like I'm sitting in this club, y'all, I look real crazy. I had on this skirt. I had on this uh, tan vest, this yellow shirt underneath the vest. I look really crazy. I was, It was not a real club outfit. Somebody <laughs> <laughs> doesn't go to the club regularly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of those like to, to the floor length skirts. Like I did not. Need Whoa. That. Exactly. <laughs> I would have thrown you out. Who let you in? <laughs> that would be a nice. The Lord had to let you in because <laughs> me and a friend we took was taking the girl home. They was like, Dorana, don't let her fall asleep. So I was like, okay. 
And her eyes started closing. They was like, you got to wake her up. So I started slapping her. And I kept slapping her like, hey, girl, wake up, wake up. And then she started doing that little, that gunction that looked like she was about to, you know. So I turned her away from me because I was like, not on me. And we made the decision to take her to the hospital. And so literally the first time I went to a club, I had that night I spent in the hospital with this girl I didn't really know. Um, and they was pumping her stomach, trying to get away. She loved that. She, yeah, kind of. <laughs> but um, it was a lesson to for me to just not do that. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, my college experience after that, when I came back, you know, I repented for going to the club. Like that was a lot for me. And um, <laughs> I don't know why you did like, you need to get sit down? <laughs> hey, maybe I needed to get sat down. <laughs> Look, everybody has their own levels of conviction. Um, but yeah, so that was my college experience pretty much. It was mostly just me experimenting, but coming back to Christ. So my last question is, do you guys think that education affects your ability to hear when it comes to preaching and being in the church? So the reason why I say this is because um, there were a lot of preachers, especially growing up, um, not necessarily mine, but that kind of warned about education. And I mean, the Bible doesn't not warn about it. It talks about, you know, ever being ever learning, but never knowing the truth. And I think in that context, it's a little bit different in that context. But um, do you think that being educated and studying and learning how to critically think, do you think those concepts kind of influence or change the way that you listen to church or affected your ability to hear? Sorry, at this question. Definitely, most definitely. What you mean from going to college or just being educated in general about just, stuff and just in, knowledge of the world? Secular, the secular world. Let's open it up to just everything, <laughs> just being just okay. being knowledgeable generally. But I, I think college played a part in it because like you're thinking differently than necessarily just re- you talked about an earlier clap of just sitting down and just receiving, receiving the word. So like how so? How did it affect your ability or impact you? I say yes. And I do understand, like I do, there are people that become so educated until, you know, they they don't, you know, hear, won't hear anything. They have turned their backs on God because they have, you know, it's not because they've become, become too educated. It's because they have lifted up their education and put it before God and they started to exalt themselves before God because, Oh, I'm so educated. I know more. And you know, this is that, this, that, and the third. Um, but I do think when you are educated, when you had experiences, when you, you know, heard you, you can't, it it plays a a, a factor into what, how you receive the word. Now I will say the, the anointing always makes the difference. Um, when you're talking about like being able to hear the word, the anointing makes the difference because I've heard people that could preach and they're anointed and the delivery, the anointing falls when they're preaching the delivery, you know, it might not be the big words and uh, all of the other things and the background and stuff that we would normally hear, but the anointing falls. But I do, I am at the older I have become and I've become educated. I've, you know, had experience. I'm, there's certain things I'm listening for. You know, when I hear the word of God, like I'm, I'm listening to. You know, can you break that text down for me? Are you able to give me background on that text? You know, are you able to really articulate in in what you're saying? What is your delivery like? 
and things of that nature when I do get ready to hear, you know, the word, whatever. Because I would tell you, preaching that I used to listen to four, five, six years ago, I can't listen to it now. Um, just because when you've been around and been exposed to, you know, preaching that comes from a different level of where, yeah, the anointing is there, but also too, you can tell that they spend their time studying. They spent time, you know, really in the word of God as someone that, you know, being educated, I can have a different appreciation for someone that knows how to work the text, know how to exegete the text, you know, knows their hermeneutics and things like that. So I am educated, but I'm also cognitive of the fact that you can do all of that and have no anointing and it goes all out the window. So I think it's a little bit of both, but there are certain things that I, you know, I'm listening for now that I probably wasn't listening for 10 and 12 years ago. So I fully agree. I fully agree. But yeah, I think, what was the question again? Just to make sure I'm like going along the lines. Has education affected your ability to hear? Okay. So yes, it has. <laughs> I've become more of a critical thinker. Like like I said, through college, I go back and I check everything because I've studied, you know, certain passages. So like when I hear uh, preachment on it, it's more so, okay, let's see where you're going to go, you know, because everyone has different perspectives of the scriptures and how they're going to apply it. What will the Lord say today through the scripture? So it's kind of like, you know, and like um, apostle said, as far as like being able to like cross link the text, being able to give background, I'm more so <laughs> cause I'm a, I'm a scientist. So like the more research I hear, the more like in like, even during service, like I'll go back and I'll check. Cause I'm like, okay, you're saying it's here and you're saying this happened during this time, like during the service. So like, I like to double check and fact check everything, you know, before I just run with it. Um, but like, um, Mike said, you could do all of that. They can sit up here and use these big words. And I know some pastors like to give Greek words and definitions and they like to break down the definitions. Like it gets annoying sometimes. I hate it sometimes. Sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes it isn't. Cause like, it's just like, all right, like, how does that apply? Like, you know, but I do like when um, pastors like cross hatch certain uh, scriptures and stuff. And yeah, I think more Christian, well, preachers who do that, they help their congregation think more like that and have that approach when they go to the word or when they study by themselves. I think it rubs off if you get, you know, cause like, apostle said like a preacher that i used to listen to four or five times back then i can't listen to them now because my mind has or my perception of what a good uh, i guess preachment is or you know it has changed based off of i don't know me wanting more facts i don't know i think our generation just needs more facts <laughs> you can't just say stuff you know and for me, it shows that you, I don't know if they put, it, it doesn't show anything as far as like them putting time in it. Cause I don't know how much time they put into it. They probably didn't have to probably came under the, under the anointing. It should come under the anointing every time, but sometimes pastors have their off days. So, <laughs> and the Bible says pastors are supposed to rightly divide the words and rightly divide the scriptures. Like that's a gift that a pastor is given. And if a pastor can't do that, and if they're not doing that accordingly, then are you really a pastor? No, I think too, like also too, and maybe I'm looking too deeply into this, but I think sometimes too, location and audience is everything too. 
Mm-hmm. I noticed when I lived in North Carolina, going to an apostolic church in North Carolina is very different than going to an apostolic church in like my metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. Um, like you were going to apostolic churches now, so I'm like people get up more excited. You can preach basic stuff like in these re- in this region to people, and because you have, and this is not me being funny. I'm just going based off what I see regionally. In these areas, a lot of times you do have people that that are in these congregations that are uneducated or, you know, are may not know as much. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it because as Clap said earlier, God is not checking for degrees, you know, as a requirement for you getting ahead. Um, so a lot of times, like the things that preachers can get away with saying and things like that, you know, may fly. But I noticed like when I moved to a metropolitan area, a lot of times the preachers had to come with it because you are sitting in the midst of people that are educated, people that are listening, people that are kind of designing and combing through what you're saying. They're combing through, you know, what text, how you're coming, how you're interpreting, how you're breaking, how you're working at work, work, working the text, how you are, you know, giving the background, giving the history. They're listening for that. I don't know if it's because you have a little bit more of a, a conglomerate of different people that, even though all apostolic all say they're from different backgrounds and things like that, and a different background could mean from a different education system. You know, you might have somebody that has a PhD in there. And I don't think, you know, somebody that has a PhD and they're saved, I, I, I don't think you can just keep serving them, you know, uh, double cheeseburgers every Sunday. You want to have to throw some steak and some caviar and some lobster in there in order for them to really be fed, you know, from the word. And it's not me being funny. Like I said, the anointing makes the difference. But also, too, I do think with a lot of preachers, and I'm not trying to veer off on what we're talking about, but I do think that with a lot of preachers and a lot of, you know, your um, ministry leaders and people that are really, you know, you know, really give the word and preach and things like that. I think they have to continue edu- continue educating themselves, you know. Nothing wrong with going and getting classes, you know, in in more about the word and, you know, how, you know, delivery and stuff like that, continuing to educate. Just like we continue to educate ourselves. I think if that's something that you do in ministry, continue to educate yourselves. That way it's a, a working balance within ministry, so. I'm going to push back a little bit <laughs> because... <laughs> Um, it makes me question where's the inspiration from God, Christ, you know, like it's good for us to be knowledgeable, but it, it kind of concerns me just a little bit because I don't want the word that I'm receiving to be formulaic. I don't want to sit and I can, when I can sit down and hear you preach every Sunday, I know exactly how your formula is going to be. You're going to do this, you're going to do that. And then by the end, you're hooping and hollering and reach out. Like, I don't want a service like that. I want a pastor who, or at least a preacher who I can tell is inspired by God. And it may not always like be a seamless message. Like I I feel like some of the best messages are when like, they're like, Oh, I don't know why I'm going over here, but I'm talking about this. And they (laughs) like, and because to me, that's you being inspired by God because there was something that somebody needed in that service for you to say that, you know, and, when it comes to pastors, you have to make sure you feed your flock. And that's why, and I, I laughed at what you said, but I definitely agree, you know, recognizing that there's different types of people within your church. And sometimes you can't just keep feeding them cheeseburgers. You got to give them the caviar, or the lobster. But I guess my concern is when there's a lot of education happening and becomes formulaic. And like you guys said, not having the inspiration, not being under the anointing. Um, that gets scary to me. 
I feel like we start going on the line. Now, I, I'm, I'm definitely a person who I'm going to check. If you say a scripture, I'm going to read it. <laughs> and I'm not just going to read the scripture <laughs> that you sent me. Like, I'm going to read right. the top from the beginning to the end. Yes. Like, I'm listening to you and I, I'm taking notes and stuff, but I'm going to read the beginning to the end because context is important. We know that there's a lot of people that would throw you one scripture, one verse, and that will be it. And, that, and it doesn't make sense when you read it in context. And it's just like, mm, I don't know. But I think about Carlton Pearson. We talked about him earlier. And mm. it's just interesting to me that someone who could be so dedicated in the faith and, you know, we all have the, the <laughs> you know, keep on keeping on baby story. We all remember those type of things from him. And he was so influential. And then for him to be a person who said, one day I was just studying the word and I came into this new revelation. That's scary to me. Like, don't get me wrong. You can definitely be led away. The enemy can get into your mind. And you talked about it earlier, Apostle. You start to glorify yourself over Christ. But I think sometimes if you're going to seek to be deeper and deeper and find deeper meaning in a whole bunch of stuff, you're going to find it. <laughs> like, that's why we have a lot of Christians now that are confusing and mixing things like incense and sage with being Ooh. holiness you know like you start and you start taking on different things because you're getting trying to get a deeper understanding that's why we're starting to see like you know the universe and all that stuff like we're starting to kind of blend the gospel with things that aren't te- technically the gospel anymore because we're getting deeper understandings and we're moving away from the text and like we talk about this a lot in law about like the constitution it's a living document and there's a there is a debate between whether it's um, just based off there's textualists who are like let's stick to what the book says, and then there's people who want to expand. Oh, it's a living document, you know. We got to look at the different interpretations. And I mean, the good thing that came out of the Constitution being something that's a living document is we got the Civil Rights Movement. But then we also get things like Obergefell, which gave LGBTQ rights and a lot of things that you're seeing a lot of Christians debate today. So I like there's an extent where at some point you do want the, you do want the Bible to be fluid, but once you start creating fluidity with the scriptures, I don't know if I'm I rambling, you guys. <laughs> once you start creating no, fluidity, no, 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 I'm enjoying <laughs> what you're talking about. But I'm just saying, like, once you create fluidity with the scriptures, it starts to become an issue of like, where do you stop? And I think sometimes we'll see saints go overboard, or I'll hear I'll hear a message, and I'm kind of like. Is that what that really is saying? Or is this is this the scripture of you? And like, you know, like I can see where it's based. I can see where you're coming, but I don't know. It's a little, mm. But That's my thing though, because some people are doing that without even having these expository preachings or like, you know, studies. Like they're just taking these scriptures and piecing them together and not really thinking. Like it goes, I think it goes both ways. For those who haven't educated themselves, they're just rambling. They're just picking up the little pieces that they got and thinking that that's the full gospel or thinking that that's the, you know, that's the meat and potatoes and that's it. Like, no, there's so much more to the gospel. Then you have those who overdo it and they trying to, like you said, um, Carlton Pearson or whatever, like, I mean, even with his situation, he's in the limelight. So he, I think he just got puffed up for real, but it's just a lot. I think it's a lot. It's a lot that goes into each one, but I totally agree with what you're saying though. But I do feel like, yeah, what apostle was saying, I think pastors, I don't care what level you are. 
you should take some type of class or something, some Bible, biblical, I don't know, just one. Take something just to show you how, I don't know, to, I don't know. I just think that, <laughs> show you how to interpret, like maybe you can, I'm not saying, maybe that's just me. I don't know. But like, it's okay to learn no, a couple I mean, Hebrew words or read the original Bible from the Hebrew text, you know, or Greek or Aramaic or whatever. I mean, I don't know. It ain't got to be that, but just take something, spruce up on the world, you know, today. Like, learn that China and Japan are two separate countries. Like, some pastors, they're God. not, they don't, they don't know. They don't know that, you know, there's how many countries in Africa, like, you know what I'm saying? Egypt is in Africa. You know, some people, some of these pastors aren't educated in that sense. And it's good. If you're going to preach, you have to act like you're preaching to the world because you are. So like, you got to know the world, learn a little bit of Spanish. You ain't got to learn, you know what I mean? Connect with the people. Like, I feel like all Christians should try to do something, you know, a couple words, get you through, just learn Jesus. We know what that means. Like <laughs> just a little something to connect with people. Cause that's what we're here to do. We're here to connect and preach the gospel. We're on a mission. And if you're in a leadership position, just learn a little bit of something, a culture, something, educate yourself for something. That's all. It ain't gotta be, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a PhD, you know, you don't have to go back to school and, you know, study a whole culture, but like learn a little bit of different religions so that when you're, flock is confronted with certain questions you can provide your congregation with the answers that they need you know stuff like that in bible study or just that's just what that's my little plea (laughs) no i i agree with that and i think you know i agree with both especially what ron was saying ron made some really really some really really good points there um but i also i do think like also clap was saying you know you, I think, as as pre- that's in anything we do, honestly, you know, whether we are in we usher, whether we, you know, sing, whatever, like we should always try to take steps to to better ourselves, you know, and because there's always room for improvement, you know. I think if we're if we are called to be, you know, the light of the world, we're called, you know, to evangelize and things like that. We're gonna have to, and, and and this is another subject for another day. But we're not gonna always. God's not gonna always put us in spaces where we're going and reaching the people in the hood. You know, God is 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 going to open the door up for us to reach people in the country clubs and reach people. You know, that's 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 in you know work in the government as doctors and lawyers and things of that nature. Like those things are going to happen. So I think you know as leaders like. You have to first of all, like you know, of course, be in tune with God because, as as Ron was saying earlier, like there may be something that you know God has dropped in your spirit to go another direction. I've sat in those services before where pastors have said, you know, I don't know why I'm going here today, but somebody needs to hear this. So there will always be those instances, but I do think you know, at least, it's always great to have that extra, you know, there's one class or two under your belt because. You're not going to always, and I think sometimes as in black churches, we've been so used to a one trick pony type of congregation where usually because we're sitting in a certain side of town, that's where our congregation is. Or, you know, so we're sitting in, you know, the heart of the city, you know, usually we have the inner city people coming to our church. But that's really, if those people have a background where they don't know a lot, we're not really pushed or that pastors and preachers are not really pushed to really get that extra 
knowledge to really become a little bit more elevated. So I do think that sometimes you're going to have to do certain things because we do, we want to reach the masses. We do want to reach the masses, but uh, also too, we also want to be wise and, and the first and foremost in everything we do, make sure that we are, you know, connecting and staying in tune with God in, in anything we do. Because I think, you know, we can become so educated till we do veer outside of lines and we start to become so deep and caught up with things that we become erroneous. So, you know, we don't want to become, you know, over in that lane where we're doing that. But also, too, we don't want to stay in one lane when God is trying to, you know, expand our territory. So, yeah. Right. And I don't want to go on for too long, you guys, but um, I don't know, even just the conversation, the fact that I even brought this up, <laughs> like being meta, I'm sorry, because that's what we do. We unpack things. But um it's interesting to me that people are starting to develop preferences for preaching. Just that concept itself to me is interesting because <laughs> like there was a time where you just, you just got the word and that was it. I don't know. Maybe my parents were just very like conservative, apostolic, very strict. So like we just, we didn't walk out on preachers or nothing. We just stayed like, or we didn't like not go to church because somebody was going to preach. But I know that there's like saints who they'll flock to a town if they know somebody's coming or they'll, I'm going to stay home this Sunday when somebody's preaching. And so it's just interesting that preacher preferences are a thing. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> no, no. They, well, they are. And I'm, I'm guilty of it. I would tell you, I, I'm, I'm very guilty of it. I'm one of the people you're talking about. Um, oh, but, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I walk, I've been in no judgment zone, no judgment zone, no, no judgment zone. But no, I, I'll be honest, like, I, I do, I have my preferences, whatever. But again, like, I also have learned to, to, to pick the meat, lead the mom, you know, because everybody, you know, may not have the same delivery. But if God sees your sincerity and if God is honoring it, who am I? Who am I? But uh, I do have you know, those preferences as to why, you know, I do have preferences now and why, <laughs> and why I have my favorites, um, you know, to this day. So, and, and that's something that I'm working on. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to ever go to church and sit in judgment as to who's bringing the, the word, whatever, because there's been people that I've, you know, really received from and gotten something from this. Well, you know what, this can really help me on my way. And I know I've been in services before where, you know, preacher preaching very surface and, you know, it's not, it's not what I'm used to, but I was able to get something out of there that helped me on my way. It was like, you know what, but I needed to hear that this week. You know, I needed to hear about, you know, like that, you know, that God was really going to, you know, do this, that, and the third. And, you know, I really needed to hear that. So it's all about like, if that person is in tune with God, but I, I am one of those people that have had my preferences. You know, I am one of those people that, you know, we had convocation and if such and such is preaching, you know, I might not come downstairs, you know, so it's just, <laughs> it's one of those things. So, um, something I'm working on y'all, y'all, you know, please y'all pray for me. Yeah. <laughs> I do have preferences. Only because, like, I mean, kind of like Ron, my parents, we go to all, we went to all the services, no matter who preached. But, like, recently, I'm sorry, not everybody's called, so. (laughs) 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 Not everybody's called to the cloth. They may be good ministers. I mean, not saying they don't don't have 
a good word every now and then, you know, I believe everybody, God gives everybody a word, you know, whether you're over the pulpit or not. But if you're called to be a pastor or a preacher, evangelist, prophetess, prophets, like no prophetess, but prophet. <laughs> but I mean, look, you got to, if you're not called, people can tell. That's all I want to say. Drop the mic. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and, and no, and I and I agree with that. Like I definitely agree with the eat the meat, spit out the bones concept. I definitely agree with I de- I have preacher preferences. There's people that I definitely would rather hear over others. I guess the way my approach has always been is I'm gonna stay, I'm gonna listen, and I'm gonna support, and then I'm gonna go home and marinate and just be like, hmm, that wasn't <laughs> I'm not going to leave in the middle of your service or I'm not going to avoid coming to church. But, you know, I mean, I don't, is that much better? I don't know. Because still in my heart, do I want to be in this? <laughs> I don't, like, I, and that's something to think about. Like, I don't know. But yeah, no, I, I definitely will go home and marinate and be like, hmm, that was very um, dry milk today. It, it wasn't even like. She said dry milk. Because sometimes. Powdered milk. Powdered milk, yeah. Because sometimes, like, people just, it's good to preach basics. I completely agree with that. But, okay, I'm talking too much. I'm going to be quiet. We're going to cut this part out. (laughs) Shame the devil. Shame him. Shame him. Like, it's good to preach basics, but there's a time where every Sunday we can't still just be talking about getting the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry, like some of us have had 15 some odd years or 20 some odd years. And like you got new saints coming in and that's great. But like, you know, we need something that's going to sustain our lives and that's going to keep us and hold us in these last and evil days. Like we need stuff and not just sustain us and hold us until the Lord coming. But like, okay, like there's so many things that I want to learn through my walk with Christ. Like how, how do I handle like my job and still maintain my walk? How do I handle relationships and still maintaining my walk? How do I handle having my kids and raising them in this school system and still maintaining my walk? Like those are the practical things that you should still be hearing from pastors because like we live our lifestyles, you know, after the Holy Ghost, what are we doing? And I think like sometimes I keep hearing that the fallback, the fallback, and it's good to, it's good to have that. It's good to have that in your back pocket, the basics. But, you know, there's certain things like, you know, we need stuff to sustain us for how we're going to live. Like the Christian walk. And, and that's part of the reason why we made this podcast is because I wanted to talk more than just basic stuff. Like we hold, have a whole life. You know, <laughs> we go to church. Like, I mean, some of us are able to go to church more often during the week, but some of us don't get to go that often. We Sometimes we only get to make it to Sunday. And so we need something to hold us in. Like we live in a whole life then. And so... Preaching needs to evolve, yes, but I think that us saints have to be careful. These are my closing remarks. I think that us saints have to be careful um, with uh, being disrespectful a little bit to the preaching that's being put forth and allowing our personal thoughts, whether it's education or our elevated knowledge or just our personal preference and we just don't like it, you know, allowing that to affect our ability to hear. Because, um, you know, at the end of the day, like, that's something that God is going to look to you about, you know, like, you are kind of (laughs) not, you're not receiving the word. 
and you don't know if that word was for you or not. I like never mind. But anyway, I'm gonna. Right, I could tell if it's for me or not, okay? Because <laughs> I did the research in my Bible while they were talking, and one plus a hundred came out to zero, and I'm just trying to figure that out. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and, and sometimes words aren't, and sometimes preaching is not necessarily for right now. Sometimes it's something you got to file away in a cabinet. And then you pull it out. Like, right now. I don't want to be fine. I ain't got time for that. I'm living life here. I'm battling demons on the regular. I don't need no file away for later. I need my word right now. Mm. <laughs> right now. <laughs> I need that word right now. Like, uh, I can't be waiting five Sundays to apply it. Like, I can't. I can't, Ron. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't. That's a lot. That's- that's a month in a week. Like what? Yeah. I would say when you go through the years of, and I'm speaking from experience and I'm going to try to say, I just know from experience, like sometimes you can get, you get you know, used to hearing kind of the same, hearing the same theme of, of, of things that like when you finally get an opportunity to hear a breath of fresh air because for me it's been levels like it's been levels like growing up it was like a lot of acts 238 um a lot of you know oneness messages was a lot of you know um end time messages so that was more of what we heard like coming up so it's a core but then, like, the next ministry I was in during college, like, you know, it was it was definitely a, a little bit, it was it was a little bit more of expansion, you know, there was some expansion to it. And, like, now, you know, when I moved to D.C., it was way, it was very much more so expanded, you know, beyond than what I was hearing. So, without saying too much, I just experienced, like, I've gone through hearing kind of the same thing with messages. Even like sometimes you had guests come in, it's kind of the same thing of messages. It all kind of ran along the lines of Acts 238, Acts 2, 1 through 4. And, you know, so a lot of times when you did hear a, um, and again, I'll talk about that offline, um, you know, one day. But yeah. And I want to say Acts 238, like, Preaching, like I said, preaching about the Holy Ghost is good. But then, like, I just feel like there's default messages. Like, that, like, the Holy Ghost is always good to preach. But then there's, like, the modest apparel and talking about skirts too short. Like, there's certain messages that just become, like, a mm-hmm. default message that you know people going to bring up. So, sorry. I just yeah. want to Clap, do you have closing remarks? But I agree with what you said, Michael. Yeah, I agree. We can't... <laughs> I agree with Ron. I'm sorry. We can't be disrespectful, even though I, I'm guilty of that. I confess a little right now. Just in case he comes back. Until tomorrow. <laughs> Lord, please forgive me. I repent. But yeah, so yeah, just I don't know. Like my like uh, pasta to the food would say it. So <laughs> you sometimes you gotta eat the meat and spit out the bones, you know, and Oh Lord, just I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry, I, I don't know what to say because it could go so many ways. Because it's hard. I know there's people out there who've been called to the faith, and you know they do have words, you know, inspired by the Holy Ghost. And 
uh, there's so many messages out there, especially that default message, like the default messages, like Ron was saying with the Holy Ghost and stuff. I just think that for me, I think that it's good to preach about the Holy Ghost, but there's so many perspectives you can lean off of. Like, you know, there's so it, there's so many levels to the Holy Ghost. Like, you know, there's so many scriptures to support, you know, the gifts and just all that the Holy Ghost in, in tells us to um, have as far as power and stuff. I think there's different avenues of how it can be preached and not ne- not necessarily. I haven't heard a different perspective on it, you know. I mean... You know, we know the basics, but it's just like you can start from the gifts and then swing back to the basics. I don't know. There's different ways you can do it if you're going to do it. That's all I'm saying. Get creative out there, guys. And if you're a pastor listening to this, we love you. Stay encouraged. (laughs) Even if you're not called. You may be called, you may not be. Goodbye. I don't know. I don't know. Turn her mic off. Turn her mic off. Mute her. I don't know. But we're going to keep everybody in prayer because during this time, we just need everybody to buckle down. We need all the saints we can get to help us get through these end times. And I think we need more messages that are like proactive to the times that we're in. Like, you know, times have changed. We got different movements happening. Like we need those words. We need that encouragement. Edit that last part out. We're on. (laughs) No, I'm keeping all of it. (laughs) (laughs) y'all gonna hate me but still like just we just need more i think we just need more content that is relevant not saying i hate people say that because it sounds bad like the bible's outdated it isn't but like you know talk about what's going on now don't get into politics though but just that's an area that we i don't know but just talk about what's going on and how us as christians how we should prepare for it like Ron was saying how we should live if we have kids how we should you know adapt them to this not adapt them to this new society but protect them from this new society that's emerges that's emerging right now so should we have benediction <sighs> yes please <laughs> i'm tired they'll say it a lot <laughs> <laughs> me too um may the lord watch may the lord watch in between in between, between. while we're absent what? Oh, I, I, okay. I don't feel the anointing. I'm about to walk up out of his. <laughs> <laughs> talk about, no, talking sorry. about messages of people leaving. The I know. Okay, see, this is why we can't leave the basics right there. <laughs> <laughs> Confusion. <laughs> uh, let the words of the end of that part out. We'll edit it. Let the words of my mouth. Let the words of my mouth. The meditation of my heart. The meditation of my heart. Be acceptable in that sight. Be acceptable, acceptable in my sight. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. My strength. My strength. And my redeemer. And my redeemer. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, y'all. Love somebody. I was saying the right. May the Lord watch in between while we're absent one from another. Jesus' name. Amen. In between oh. me and thee or something. Me and, oh, and me and thee. Yeah. Oh, me and thee. Oh. <laughs> Come on, Laban. Don't be messing up his quotes. <laughs> this is mm. ain't right. I'm a pew, baby.